From the US to Europe, an international podcast breaking down structured credit one tranche at a time. Welcome to the last tranche, Credit Flux's bi-monthly podcast discussing CLOs and all things structured credit. I am your host and reporter with Credit Flux, Hugh Minch. I'm pleased to be joined for today's podcast by Shiloh Bates, who is a managing director at Flat Rock Capital in New York and chief investment officer of Flat Rock Opportunity Fund, which last month was named the best CLO fund at the Credit Flux Manager Awards. Shiloh, it's good to have you here. It's great to be here. Thanks for the time. So first of all, how has your quarantine been so far? So it hasn't been too bad, uh, to be honest. I'm out in Montauk with a few friends uh, quarantining out here. And, uh, you know, I'm a big surfer, so I try to take advantage of the waves uh, whenever I can. And, you know, at Fly Rock, we found it's pretty easy for us to kind of like work remotely during this this time period. So we're uh, as productive as ever. Uh, you made you made a splash at the awards ceremony by recording your acceptance speech by the pool. Are you recording the last tranche by the pool as well? <laughs> no, we didn't didn't do anything uh, too too interesting this go around. We're just uh, <laughs> sitting in sitting in the living room here. Nothing uh, too exciting. Um, so, have you been back to the office at all yet? Uh, I haven't been back to the office since uh, since March. I mean, I think maybe we'll be back in the new year at at some point. But um, you know, I think on the the asset management side, I mean, a lot of firms have just kind of like, you know, figured out how to work remotely. You know, we do a, we do a Teams call in the morning and everybody gets on the same page. And I think we're, you know, just like I said, as productive as ever. So um, it's not, you know, we'd love to be back in the office, seeing people and, you know, meeting again with uh, CLO managers and underwriters and the like. But, um, you know, for now, we, we could definitely make do. Uh, I think it was interesting earlier this year that uh, people were forced to adjust to work working from home at the same time as there was this unprecedented market stress. Uh, is that something yeah. that um, was pretty difficult at the time? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if, if I would describe it as difficult, uh, to be honest. I mean, one of the things that kind of surprised us during during the downturn. So this is like, you know, maybe the, the end of March. You know, we're calling around and talking to CLO managers and and trying to get updates. And like, you know, one of the things that were was really interesting to us was just the divergence in, in perspective. So, you know, you talk to a manager about coronavirus, uh, you know, one day, and you know, we, we got responses from everything from, you know, we think all of our CLOs are gonna, you know, pick equity distributions into the foreseeable future, you know, at one sort of bookend. And then the other bookend was, you know, we have like, you know, a few credits that we're monitoring more closely, but we're not really expecting a big effect. And, you know, fortunately in our portfolio, we ended up with more conversations in, in the latter category, but it was very interesting to kind of see that, uh, see that divergence in uh, in manager uh, perspective. And obviously, you know, the market is, has come back, uh, you know, substantially uh, since that time. Uh, right, yeah. Um, do you, are there any uh, particular moments from those days where maybe um, anything that stands out where you sort of remember thinking, okay, this is a big crisis, we need to prepare for the worst? Yeah, so, I mean, if, if you invest in, in CLO equity, I, I think there's like, you know, two two parts of it. So one is you want to buy, you know, the most attractive CLO equity tranches you can. But 
A secondary part of that is financing yourself in a way so that you never want, you're never going to want to need liquidity uh, at a time when the market's uh, selling off. Um, so you never want to rely on a BWIC for liquidity because you know you're getting a, a redemption or, or or anything like that. And so we spent a lot of time thinking, you know, and kind of planning around that. So we were more kind of like a buyer uh, during the sell-off. Uh, uh, than than anything else, um, but I mean that you know sort of like a big you know something that that we noticed is that you know the bid ask spread in CLO equity is always very large, and then you know when you're like in in uh, again at the end of like March and April, I mean it's just huge. You know it might be like 15 points or something like that, and when CLO equity when the dollar price becomes you know theoretically cheap. You're just not going to find a lot of sellers because, you know, anybody, you know, why why bother sort of punching it out at a low price when you'll, you know, if the market recovers and people were expecting that it would, you know, there's just like substantial upside upside to your trade. So, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that we didn't need liquidity from the secondary in a downturn. And, and that's kind of, you know, how it played out for us. Uh, did you notice that um, the managers you're investing in, did they have a, a different um, trading strategies? And what's your view in, in an environment like we saw in March and April? What's your view on the success or otherwise of different strategies that managers can, can do? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we're a big investor and believer in middle market CLOs. And in, uh, in middle market CLOs, one thing you get is financial covenants. Um, so... You know, if uh, if a company is looking to you know to reset a leverage covenant or something like that, you know the you know the borrower may ask for relief, um, and then the lender is going to potentially ask for like an equity contribution or a true up in the in the spread or or possibly a fee. And so the middle market uh, CLOs are going to benefit much more in that kind of environment uh, than the broadly syndicated that are like largely covenant light. Uh, so that was one thing. A second part of it is uh, is LIBOR. So as LIBOR has dropped to 30 bips, um, LIBOR floors are in the money. And in a middle market CLO, you're going to have a lot more floors uh, and a higher higher average floor. Um, so the the interest income and and the proceeds to the equity that it spit off is like is substantially higher from the middle market CLO. So we've benefited there kind of in in, uh, in both respects. I mean, all of our CLOs were really fully invested uh, coming into, into COVID. So, you know, it's, there's not, there's not a lot of ton, ton you can do. I mean, the managers that we've kind of backed uh, in the past, they generally take the view that they're not trying to uh, optimize around a test in any particular quarter. Um, you know, they're, investing and trading for the long-term benefits of the fund. So one manager that we talked to used a, like analogy that I thought was pretty good. He said, we're not uh, burning the furniture to keep ourselves warm here. Uh, and, and I like that. And so his reference is really to, you know, selling triple C's at a discount that you think would ultimately pay off at par, um, you know, just to kind of manage around a seven and a half percent triple C basket. He's like, you know, we're not, we're not going to do that, and if we miss a payment, um, you know, and it's for the long-term benefit of the deal, again, like we'll just do that. So that that was, you know, I, I think that's kind of like the best way to manage these deals in uh, 
in the current environment. So is that is that the view you tend to take uh, with CLO equity investing that you're more comfortable with a manager maybe um, failing a test or deferring a payment if that's what's in the best interest of the long-term uh, health yeah. of the CLO? Yeah, so like if you look at CLO equity returns from 2007, uh, for example, I mean, the average annual IRR is around 18%. And so, you know, a big driver there was, you know, investing in, in loans at substantial discounts to par. Um, but also, you know, if you fail the reinvestment a diversion test, instead of getting paid that equity distribution, you know, those proceeds were invested into, uh, into new loans uh, at, at discounted prices. And so, like, that diversion may not have felt good at the time uh, for those for those deals, but in the long run, um, you know, again, buying those discounted loans was, you know, would have been a very high IRR opportunity, just owning the loans directly. And then inside of the CLO where you're levered 10 times, you know, that those benefits just uh, just compound. And so, you know, in the, in the equity tranche, it's, not the worst thing to fail a interest aversion test if the manager goes out and buys some discounted loans or some spready loans with the proceeds um, but if you're deleveraging through like an oc breach uh, you know that is uh, that that is obviously uh, quite negative and something that we would hope to avoid um so you mentioned already but you're allocated to middle market clos in your fund i think this is a fairly unusual uh, strategy among um, any CLO equity investor because uh, to my knowledge most um, middle market CLO managers tend to hold their own equity themselves um, yep. so I'm curious how, how do you go about getting those allocations sure so I mean there's around I don't know 10 or 15 guys who are issuing middle market CLOs and there's probably like you know 30 percent or so um, that that will sell equity so it's not you know, there's, there's not a ton of it available, um, but when there is, uh, we usually get a look. We're also um, very active in middle market double Bs. And so the, the attraction of the middle market double Bs is in today's market, um, you can get equity-like returns. So like mid-teens area. And given the thickness of the equity tranche, uh, they're extremely difficult to break. Um, so, I mean, it'd really take a Armageddon kind of scenario to, to come through all that equity. So uh, we like we like that trade. And, you know, we find that even, you know, in deals where maybe the middle market manager retained all the equity, uh, you know, we've been able to find double Bs in the secondary that kind of hit our equity return uh, bogey. I think the, the two big reasons that I hear from broadly syndicated CLO managers about why they don't invest in mid-market CLOs is because uh, a it's quite it's a more opaque investment compared to a broadly syndicated deal and it's less liquid uh, what's your what would what you say to an investor who said that uh, yeah sure so uh, depends on the middle market CLO so we've looked at uh, middle market deals recently where you know 70 plus percent of the loans were marked uh, by a third party. So these are like traded loans where just, you know, they're more spready than, you know, what you might find in a typical like broadly syndicated CLO, for example. So, you know, if you can find marks on IHS market partners, that kind of 
you know, reduces the risk that there's like a proprietary middle market loan that, you know, where you don't know anything about it, that, that could potentially be, be a risk for you. Um, so uh, that's one thing. The other thing is that because we manage uh, a private BDC ourselves, uh, we're working with other middle market players. We're doing like club deals with them. We've been in the market, in the middle market, or I've been, uh, you know, since since 2012. So we have, you know, real deep expertise in the underwriting and and thought processes of the other middle market players uh, that we backed, and so you can get very comfortable like with with the track record there. Uh, also, to issue like a middle market CLO, you're going to need to have, in general, you're going to need to have a, a track record and history and and AUM that's, I mean, the bar is like very high just to kind of enter the space, whereas for a broadly syndicated CLOs, like the bar is like substantially lower. Um, you could have just five to 10 guys, uh, you know, buying traded loans from banks. It's just a very different thing from actually like originating the loans themselves and being able to, you know, in the past have raised substantial equity uh, to do that. And then in terms of like the the liquidity of the CLO securities, the middle market ones that we own, um, so they are definitely uh, less liquid. Um, so, you know, it can't be 100% of what, what you're doing, kind of need, need to plan around that. Um, but even, even it's funny for double Bs from middle market CLOs, we've actually seen some people BWIC those recently. We do see like uh, somewhat, uh, you know, some interest in, in the secondary kind of, you know, away from BWICs as well. So I don't know that those are as illiquid as people might uh, might think. All right. Um, I'm going to change the subject a little bit and talk about Flat Rock, your, your uh, company itself. So I know you've personally been in the CLO market for a while, but at Flat Rock for around two years. Could you talk, talk a little bit about the history of the firm and also of your, yourself at the firm? Yeah, sure. So uh, Flat Rock Global has been around for uh, over three years. Uh, our CEO, Bob Grunwald, was the CIO of the Business Development Corporation of America. Uh, that's where uh, I met him in, in 2012 and started working for him as his head of structured products uh, back then. And together we invested over a billion dollars in uh, CLO securities while we were at, uh, while we were at BDCA. Today, uh, our firm manages uh, three different funds. We have a, uh, a private BDC called the Flat Rock Capital Corp. Uh, it has a little bit over 100 million of AUM. And we also manage a hedge fund that invests in publicly traded uh, BDCs. And then the third fund that, you know, again, I'm the CIO of is investing in CLO equity tranches and double Bs. So your fund has just been named as the best CLO fund at our awards ceremony last month. Um, first of all, congratulations. But second of all, um, what do you think you do that marks you out from your competitors? And why do you think you won that award? Sure. Thanks. Uh, great question. So there, there's a couple of factors that go in there. So one is, um, you know, we're a smaller fund at about 50 million uh, of equity that we've raised. And so that means we're able to invest, you know, millions, you know, two to two to five million in, uh, in an investment at a time. And that enables us to be like hyper selective uh, in what we're doing. So I think it's a great market to be investing 
kind of like in our dollar size. I think it's a really tough market if you're trying to deploy, you know, sort of like hundreds of millions uh, in the asset class. I don't think the arbitrage is favorable enough to do that, um, you know, at that kind of that kind of scale. So by being very nimble and selective, I think that's helped us outperform. The allocation to middle market CLOs uh, definitely helped last year and will certainly help again uh, this year because a lot of those deals just don't have the uh, the COVID exposure that you find in broadly syndicated CLOs. So you're in a middle market CLO, you're not going to find like hotel chains or movie theaters and some of the other stuff that's kind of way down on the BSL front. Um, and then, you know, our fees are also lower than peers. So our view on fees is that you know, we wanted to charge lower fees and pass more of the economics of the CLO equity return to our shareholders. And by, you know, hopefully outperforming and enabling them to, you know, grow through the through better returns, you know, we're kind of hoping to grow uh, grow together, really. So we like people to kind of reallocate to our fund based on based on returns. That's how we're how we're like selling ourselves. And so, you know, we're we're also a big and the principles of Flat Rock are also big investors in, in the fund. So, you know, that's another reason that we wanted to just have have lower fees and have everybody benefit. I mean, the, the reality is uh, CLO equity, I, I just don't think of it as like a two and 20 asset class. Like that's like a great deal for like an advisor. Like, I guess if you can get it, but there's not, there's not enough natural arbitrage in the trade to support those economics. So even if the manager does like an, you know, an excellent job, the two and 20 is just going to kill their return and you're going to be in single digits like re really quickly. So it's kind of a, it's really a combination of, uh, of all those factors there. Yeah, I mean, uh, just touching again on the arbitrage, uh, what, what kind of returns do you think um, CLO equity, I mean, not, not um, necessarily the deals that you're investing, but across the whole market in general, what kind, what kind of returns are you sort of modeling for that? Uh, sure. So, I mean, we're not really looking at, at primary right now. So we think a lot of the deals that you're seeing print in the primary are people like cleaning up warehouses where they have a bunch of loans that might be underwater, for example. So that's not enticing to like a third party like ourselves. Uh, so for, for secondary returns, you know, if you look at stuff in the secondary, uh, we think of that as, you know, we model out returns that are kind of in the like 15 to 19% area using our kind of usual modeling assumptions. Um, and, you know, I think there's like interesting stuff to do there, especially interesting if you can pick up equity at kind of like a low dollar price or your downside, you know, maybe you feel very certain about the next like couple payments that really reduces your, your downside risk. And then you have a lot of upside in a, in a loan market that, uh, that continues to uh, recover. Uh, so I think you were you were just talking about your data that you collected as well. Sure. So one of the things we've done to uh, to market uh, our firm and uh, and the fund is you know on our website we put out thought pieces um, on the industry. Uh, I wrote a book that describes uh, CLO equity as an asset class, 
and we're in the process now of publishing a an index that looks at CLO equity returns from 2014 uh, forward. And so we, we do this by looking at some of the public filers uh, that own CLO equity, looking at their fair market values and using Intex to add in a quarterly distribution. And, and from that, you know, we will show quarterly returns through March 31st and we'll have calculated through June, uh, sometime soon when other filers uh, are in. Um, but basically, you know, what it shows is that since the inception of the index, uh, CLO equity is down about 2% uh, per year. And so with, with any index, you know, the returns are going to be heavily influenced just by like when you start your calc. So if you start in the end of 2014, you know, you're going to get uh, the oil and gas and commodity downturn, you're going to get, you know, the end of 2018 recession jitters. You're going to have a big, almost a 30% drawdown in March uh, of this year due to coronavirus. So all that's been really tough for, for the asset class. Um, and I think, you know, the other, the other part of it is, you know, kind of high debt costs extracted by like AAA down to, down to double B. But those returns exclude really solid returns from kind of pre-2014. So again, if you invested in CLOs pre-crisis, you know, those would have averaged probably like 15% a year, depending on depending on the vintage. Um, so those, you know, those aren't captured in the index. But you see a standard deviation very similar to the S&P, but uh, the S&P 500, but a dramatic underperformance uh, versus, versus the S&P. And a lot of people looking at that, I think will see it as like an opportunity to buy into a, an asset class that's discounted um, versus, you know, again, versus like maybe high yield or, or, or the S&P uh, in the time of, you know, in this particular time, you know, CLO equities really, really trades on fundamentals. There's not like the Fed isn't, you know, behind the scenes buying CLO equity tranches or, or anything like that. So we haven't had the support that high yield and the S&P has had, uh, but it is uh, an asset class where, you know, investors can, can come in today and still get, you know, a discounted entry point uh, significantly better than for the competing asset classes, in my opinion. What do you think's been um, driving some of that underperformance in the last few years? Yeah, so it's again, it's the three kind of like downturns that I mentioned. Mm. It's expensive debt costs, and I mean the the challenge for the equity really is that um, you know you have a hundred plus managers who are looking to to price deals, and so the guys you know the debt buyers and CLOs just have a lot of leverage uh, in that in that kind of environment. And so the, the debt costs come, come in high and you can kind of get some of that back from the manager and discounted fees. You can try to get some of that from the underwriter in terms of a discounted purchase price. But the arbitrage has been very, very challenged. You know, that, that's a big part of it. Another thing is, um, you know, a lot of people who are investing in the asset class are doing it through these risk retention vehicles. So they go to, you know, some top 
top tier manager and they say, you know, here's 200 million and I want to be in your next five deals. And so regardless of how bad the arbitrage is and how those deals look, it's really the incentive for the manager to call that capital and, and print those deals. And so the end investor there, I mean, they've basically limited their investment universe to like the smallest. There's over like a thousand CLOs you could choose from. There's a hundred different managers, um, all different vintages. Instead of, you know, for somebody like me, you know, I, I can look at, at all of that. For somebody who wrote a check to one of these risk retention vehicles, I mean, their slice of the market is just really, really small. And so unfortunately for them, like that's underperformance is going to be kind of the natural result of that, that style of uh, investing in the market, uh, unfortunately. It's interesting because we had a, a previous podcast we did with the CLO manager um, earlier in this year, which was actually pre-COVID, um, who said that um, I, think, I think the exact words were risk retention was the best thing that ever happened to this industry. And that was because uh, the managers went out and they in, they educated all these institutional investors and ended up bringing more of that investment into the sector. Um, what would be your thoughts on that? Yeah, so uh, I think it's great for the asset class that more people have been educated about it and find it find it interesting uh, for sure. But if again, like if you come in through the the strategy that I just outlined, which is just to invest with one manager pre-commit over like a number of deals. Uh, again, the universe, that universe is so small um, that you're, you know, those guys are gonna unfortunately outperform dramatically. So to give you an example, like when these deals that are done by risk retention equity are being done, um, you know, usually, you know, almost all the equity just goes to the risk retention vehicle because if they were, if the bank, the investment bank who's selling the deal, were to look to a true third party, I mean, what you'd find would be bids that would be like, you know, 15 plus points lower. I mean, and that would, and the 15 points lower wouldn't be, you know, some like crazy, crazy bid, some guy trying to get a great deal. It would just be some rational person pricing that primary versus what they can get in the secondary. Mm. So like if, you know, secondary returns, for example, like pre-COVID, you know, maybe that's kind of like, you know, 15 to 17. And then these risk retention vehicles are doing deals that might be like, I don't know, eight to 10 or something crazy like that. And so these kind of markets have, ex they existed like side by side, you know, for a long time. And it's just, it, it made no sense. And like sooner or later, these risk retention investors are going to, I think, just pull the plug on and maybe hopefully, uh, you know, invest in the asset class in a way that like makes a lot more sense. Um, we're almost out of time, unfortunately, um, but I just wanted to end up by asking you, what, what's your general view of the state of play of the CLO market uh, currently? What's your outlook for the next few months? And do you have uh, reasons for optimism? Yeah, so I, I do. I mean, the CLO market continues to uh, to roll roll uh, forward. Um, you know, we've seen some like nice price appreciation in in a lot of the securities that that we uh, that we own. You know, the LSTA index has retraced you know to like ninety two, 
today from I think a, a coronavirus low of like 77 uh, area. And a lot of new deals are being done. You know, new loans are kind of like 97 OID with, you know, and, and a spread, you know, depending might be like 350 to 500, kind of depending on the risk. That's a lot of like what we're seeing put into the CLOs. And the beauty of the CLO trade and what we like about it so much is that when the loan market sells off, um, you definitely are going to have a lower NAV on your CLO, and that's going to be, you know, result in a lower market value for your CLO equity tranche. Um, but, you know, all of our CLOs are in their reinvestment periods. Uh, so that means whenever a loan prepays at par, the collateral manager is buying new loans at, uh, at discounted prices. And so there's this, what we call the self-healing mechanism, where over time, you know, the manager can continue to kind of, you know, build par and, you know, make some gains that'll offset some of the losses uh, that we might take in these kind of, kind of COVID-affected industries. So, I mean, I, I'd like to see a LSTA index price probably substantially lower uh, than, than it is today, but benefits of having a higher index price is that, you know, presumably less companies are going to default and companies will be able to kind of refinance themselves and kind of extend uh, extend the runway. So we're really bullish on, on the asset class and, uh, you know, continue to think that spreads are going to tighten and uh, that, you know, CLO equity distributions are, are going to benefit. Charlo, thank you very much. Great to be with you, Hugh. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Last Tranche. If you like our show and want to know more, subscribe to Credit Flux and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share our content.